we're in a series that we started last week, uh, last Wednesday, actually, that we preached on the King. We're preaching through the, some names of Jesus Christ, and we've titled the series Power in That Name. There's power in that name. I don't think we realize sometimes throughout the Scripture the different names. Of course, there's the names of God throughout the Old Testament. You get in the New Testament, you find many names concerning Jesus Christ, but you'll find many names in the Old Testament concerning Jesus Christ also. And so we're dealing with those names because names have a meaning. They have a meaning to them, and they're a very important meaning. Uh, we live in a day and time that most of the time when we name our children, it's because we like the sound of it or we might have a meaning behind it. It might be named after a, uh, a parent, grandparent, or, or someone that we, means a lot to us. Uh, Hunter's name comes from my grandfather's uh, uh, name. Uh, my mom was, a, was Helen Hunter before she got married and as a family name, and so we named him Hunter. That's where his name come from. And there's, so there's, there's a meaning there for us. But many of the names that you find of Jesus Christ, there's a deep meaning, one that will direct us and help us in our life. So we've been looking at those names. We're going to be looking at those names for quite a while. And uh, tonight we're going to look at, at a different name. But here we are in, in, first John, or in John chapter 1. Look with me in verse 29. It says, The next day John saith Jesus, coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said after me, cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. If you look there, we, of course, I'm sure that you figured it out. Verse 29 says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Down in verse 36 it says, And looking upon Jesus as he walketh, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. I'd like to preach a message tonight that I've titled, The Lamb of God. And if you would, bow again with me in prayer. Father, we thank you for loving us. Bless the reading of thy word. Help us to have understanding, Lord. You didn't put these titles of your name in here for no reason. They're there for a reason. Help us to grasp them. Help them, Lord, to strengthen us, to get a greater understanding of the Word of God, but also a greater understanding and a closer relationship with you. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. As I said last week, we spoke on the, on the name of Jesus as King. And this, of course, tonight, we, here we look at a name that many may think is contradicting, a, a contradiction in names when we preached on King and now we're preaching on the Lamb of God. As we sang that song a while ago, the Lamb of God, I looked up there and you've seen this innocent looking little lamb there on that background of that, for that song. And I thought, you know, that's what we many times when we speak of the Lamb of God, that's what we think of is a little lamb, the, the meek and mild lamb, you know, in there and just so sweet and everything. And, 
But uh, especially, it seems kind of strange when we compare the Lamb of God to King, especially as we preached last week. But once you get an understanding of the name of Lamb of God, you'll see that the Lamb is actually a fierce and mighty King. The Lamb is actually a fierce and mighty King. In fact, the Lamb is the name to which you and I should appeal when you're waging your the greatest challenges in your life. It ought to be about the Lamb of God that we turn to the Lamb of God. There's power in that name. And I think sometimes we don't understand that. You see, the Lamb is worthy of our, of our greatest honor, our greatest fear, and our greatest respect. We're going to look at a little bit of that tonight. But I want to begin here uh, at the importance of a sacrificial lamb. There has to be an understanding. You've got to lay a groundwork where that name comes from. We go back, excuse me, we go back into Genesis. In the, very, in the very beginning, we find that Adam and Eve, as they sin, you get over in Genesis chapter 3, and, and Adam has, and Eve have disobeyed God. They have taken of the fruit of, of the tree of, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, and, and they seen that they were naked, and so they took fig leaves, and they sewed them together, and, and made an apron for themselves, a covering for themselves, and then they hid from God. God comes walking in the cool of the day and he calls out, Adam, Adam, where art thou, Adam? And Adam comes out and he begins to talk with him. He says, uh, why are you hiding? He says, well, because we're naked. He said, who told you he's naked? Have you ate of the tree, the good, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil? And we know the story and how that the Lord rebukes them and tells them that they will be put out of the garden because of sin and that from that day, they began to die. Sin was cast upon this world because of their disobedience. By one man's sin entered into the world. We find that to be the, the case here with Adam. God has to take an animal and he has to slay the animal, shed that animal's blood, and take those coats of skins and make a clothing, a covering for Adam and Eve. You see, Adam and Eve thought that their clothing that they had, their covering that they had with those leaves that they had sewn together was sufficient. But it didn't appease God's justice. It didn't take, it didn't cover as God desires for it to cover. You see, there has to be a shedding of blood in order for there to be a sacrifice that is pleasing unto God. And so we see that they... That animal was slain. Well, then you move on over into the book of Exodus and you find that as you're there in Exodus, we find that we begin to see the importance of that sacrificial lamb. As the children of Israel are about to leave and, and they had been in this, in this uh, uh, Moses had been in this uh, battle with uh, uh, Pharaoh and trying to get him to turn the children of Israel loose and he wouldn't, but finally it comes down to the defining moments and, and the Lord told Moses said, you go tell the people of Israel, said, you go tell them to take a sheep without spot, without blemish, put it up, watch it, and then I want them to slay that lamb, that lamb that without spot and blemish, and then I want them to take the blood of that lamb, and I want them to strike it across the doorpost, and as they strike that across the doorpost, when the death angel comes through and and there in Exodus chapter 12, as the Lord institutes this to Passover, what it calls the Passover, because the death angel will come through and as he sees the blood on the doorpost from that lamb that was sacrificed, a, a lamb, and remember this, a lamb without spot, without blemish. 
Nothing could be wrong with this lamb. Couldn't have a broken foot, couldn't have any spots on him, had to be, had to be a white lamb, he had to be, he had to be healthy, he had to, everything had to be right about him. Couldn't have a limp, couldn't have an ear that had a torn spot in it, he had to be a perfect lamb. He said when the death angel comes over, he said the blood will be on those doorposts and he said he'll pass over you. The judgment of God that's based on his justice will not fall upon you. There in Exodus chapter 12 verse 13 says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And so it was instituted at that time, the Passover and the sacrificial system that went into place that we see throughout the Old Testament. Not only sacrificing lambs, but others, that blood had to be shed for a sacrifice. To, you might say, appease the Lord. It did not take away their sin. Understand this. A lot of people don't understand this. In the, in the Old Testament, when the sacrifice was made, it did not take away their sin, but it appeased the wrath of God, that He did not pour out His judgment upon them. The reason that it could not is because it was not an exact sacrifice. It had to be an exact sacrifice to take away the sin. So we find that the Lord demands the shedding of blood in, in order to avoid His wrath. So there came the sacrifices for the atonement of sin, but as I said, they were not sufficient to forever take away that sin or to forever appease God. That lamb that they slain, wasn't, it, it, couldn't take, it couldn't appease God forever. So they had to continually sacrifice a lamb, a goat, uh, a heifer, whatever it was. For, for, and you go into Exodus and Leviticus, you look in Leviticus and it tells them, the Levitical law tells you what you had to sacrifice for certain things and for purifying and, and on goes the list of things. I'm so glad we don't have that today. Praise the Lord for the grace of God. But we find that this is where the sacrificial lamb came in to play. You see, there came a sufficient sacrifice one day. As I said, they had to continue to repeat that offering, that sacrifice. But there came that sufficient sacrifice in Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to be using a lot of scripture here because it's important that you understand about the lamb. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 3 and 4 says, But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Otherwise they had to, the, the sin atonement, for the sin atonement, there was, they, had to, they offered it once a year. And they had to go into, into the veil, into the Holy of Holies. There was, a, was an altar there. And they had to offer that blood of that atonement once a year. There had to be that sacrifice and that blood taken in and sprinkled upon that altar. Every year. Once a year. We find here in Hebrews, he said that it wasn't sufficient. He says, uh, but in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Otherwise, he said, it didn't take it away. It appeased God, but it had to continually do it over and over and over again. 
You drop on down in Hebrews 10 there in verse 10 says, by the which will we be, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering, offer, offering oft times the sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, talk about Jesus. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins, talk about himself because he is the Lamb of God. It says, one sacrifice for sins forever set down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. It was a sufficient sacrifice. There finally came a lamb that once he was sacrificed, no more sacrifices was needed. This was not a lamb that come out of a herd. This was not a lamb that was owned by a Jewish family. This was not a lamb that come up out of Egypt. It was not a lamb that come from the Jordan. It was the lamb of God that came from heaven. Jesus Christ himself. A temporary solution in, in the Old Testament involved the slaying of the lamb as, as well as the other sacrifices. When God saw the blood, he accepted it in a, that we might come you know, in what we might compare to a layaway plan. When they offered that sin offering once a year with that lamb and, the, and sprinkled it upon that altar, it would be like you going and, and going to buy something for Christmas for your family or for somebody and you don't have the money for it. And, and so there, therefore it's not paid for yet. And so you put it into layaway. with the intent of one day coming back and paying the full price. Those offerings of that lamb was like putting sin on layaway until Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice, the very lamb of God, would offer himself for a complete payment for our sins. No more layaway. No more sacrifices. No more need for, for there to be a sacrifice in the temple. But because Jesus Christ Himself offered Himself, when God saw the blood, He accepted it. And what we, as I said, we might come along. The animal sacrifices never provided full payment. Animal sacrifices are not equal. As I said a while ago, it's like this. Uh, you say, well, a, a, a lamb is, is so precious. We've seen that little picture of that lamb up there. And, and they're so precious and innocent. And if you put them up, preacher... And, and there's no spot and there's no blemish on them. And, and there's no problem with them. There's no ill about them or anything about them. And they're not sinners, preacher. They're, they're not, they, they, they can't sin. No, but they're not equal. They're not a man. They're not a woman. They're not a person who has the ability to sin. They're not equal. And so therefore, it was an unequal sacrifice. There had to be an equal sacrifice made for you and me. One that was human. One that was alive. One that had great ability in them. You see, the requirement of a sinless, spotless sacrifice, there was a requirement of a sinless sacrifice without spot and blemish. In Hebrews 9, 
And verse 11 says, But Christ, being come an high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered in once into the holy place, and that was in heaven, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? He's saying this. He said, you know, if God would lay aside His wrath for the blood of a lamb, how much more would He do for the Lamb of God? How much more would He do for the Lamb of God? His own Son, sinless, spotless, without blemish, without sin. He was God, but He became man. He was an equal sacrifice for what was needed for you and me. One that would not just be a repeat over and over and over again, but once and for all, that Lamb of God was slain that we might have eternal life. Do you see the correlation so far of, of the Lamb and the Lamb of God? Understanding that God's Lamb is, is the ultimate sacrifice for us. First Peter Chapter 1 and verse 18 says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by the tradition of from your fathers. Hey, listen, I, uh, there's the denominations that believe that you can give money to the church or to the priest or whatever, and you can buy your way into heaven. No, you can't be redeemed by silver and gold. You can't be redeemed by those things. You can't be redeemed by good works. You can't be redeemed by... It requires the blood uh, uh, sacrifice. In verse 19, he goes on and says, But with the precious blood of Christ, and notice what he says, As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, as a lamb of God, Jesus fulfilled the requirements to take away the sins of the world. There was a requirement. It took an equal sacrifice. It took, a, it took a sacrifice that was clean and without blemish, without spot, that had never sinned. That was Jesus Christ. You see, surging through the veins of Jesus Christ was the blood of God, the Heavenly Father. There was no sin in that blood. No other man could say that because from Adam that sin was passed on uh, into our, our lives because of what Adam did. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 refers to him as our Passover lamb. The latter part of, of verse 7 there in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 says, For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. He was sacrificed for us. He calls him the Passover lamb. So that when, when the death angel comes or one day when 
The Lord looks and the Bible says, you go back into Revelations chapter 20 and it talks about that the books are opened and, and uh, those who, whose name were not written in the Lamb's book. Oh man, there it goes again. The Lamb's book of life is cast into the lake of fire. You see, it, it requires the blood of the Lamb of God. When Jesus came as the Lamb of God, He provided a sacrifice known as an unlimited atonement. Unlimited. So I don't understand. Well, unlimited, there's several things about an unlimited atonement. Number one, it never runs out. It never runs out. That atonement never runs dry. That atonement is for everyone. That atonement is available. It's unlimited. It's not hoarded up by somebody and nobody else can get it. It's unlimited. It's not that, okay, it has to, he has to die again and again and again and again. It's unlimited, that atonement that he that was, was by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus was so sufficient that it addressed every sin of every person who has ever lived and who will ever live. Unlimited atonement. You see, that atonement goes back and covers Adam in the garden. That atonement goes and covers the very last person that will ever be born into this world. That atonement is unlimited. That atonement is no matter what you have done. We could go around the room and if there was some way we could pull up on these screens up here, the sin in your life, there's not a single sin that could be put on one of those screens but what it could not be covered by the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. It's unlimited. There is nothing that it cannot cover. There is nothing that it cannot forgive and cleanse. There's not a thing that it cannot wash away. It's an unlimited atonement. Through Jesus, as the Lamb of God, God reconciled the entire world to Himself. Jesus, the Lamb of God, satisfied the demands of God's justice. And here's what we don't, a lot of people don't understand. Okay, preacher, I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to put money in the offering plate. I'm going to do this type of works. I'm going to do hit this and do that. Not good enough. It doesn't satisfy the judgment of God. Well, preacher, I'm going to join the church and, I'm going to, and, I, and I'll get baptized. It doesn't satisfy the judgment of God. Well, preacher, I'm going to... There's only one thing that satisfies the judgment of God. And that is the blood of the sacrificial Lamb of God. That is it. There's nothing else that can be said. There's nothing else that can be given. You see, Jesus had become like us, as I said before, to become like to become the sacrifice for man. And Hebrews 2 and verse 17 says, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be merciful, be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, otherwise to reconcile us back to God, bring us back into good standing with God, you might say. 
And Philippians chapter 2 goes on and he says in, in verse 6 and on down through verse 8, he says, who being in the form of God, he was God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He's God. Jesus Christ. He's God. But he goes on and says, but made himself of no reputation. Otherwise, he set aside who he was. He didn't go around praying, saying, hey, I'm God. I'm God. He didn't go around saying that. He made himself of no reputation. He laid that aside, his heavenly robe. And he took upon him, the Bible says, the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Do you understand that if God had not sent His Son, if Jesus, the Son of God, which, who is God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there are three entities, but they're one. Do you understand that if Jesus Christ had not taken on the form of man, that we could not have had a sacrificial lamb? Do you realize that if He had not become man, and I'm, when I say He become man, He was God, but He was every bit Man. You realize when he lay down at night out in the out in the in, in the in uh, out under the stars in a cold night, he got cold like you and me. You realize as he walked that on those dusty Palestinian roads uh, that his feet got dirty just like yours and mine would. You realize that if a bee come over and stung him, that he would get a whelp on his arm just like you and me. You understand that if he was working with something and, and, and he was building something because uh, uh, he, he was a carpenter with his father Joseph and he come back and he hit, come down to, to drive a nail and he hit that thumb. Do you realize uh, being the, uh, a man and yet even being God that that thumb would go, whoa, whoa, whoa. That hurts. You realize that fully God, yet even a man. He got thirsty on the cross as he hung on the cross. Some of the last words he said was, I thirst. He was man, but he was God. My friend, they didn't take his life from him. He laid it down. He could have called for 10,000 angels. He could have just stepped down off the cross. You say, but he was nether. Those nails couldn't hold him. He held himself to that cross. And he allowed his blood to be poured out, knowing that the life is in the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. He became the sacrificial lamb for you and I on that cross. He was fully God, but he was fully man. And my friend, if he had not been man, he would not have been the sacrifice for you and me. He lived sinless. He lived spotless. He was a perfect sacrifice for you and me. On the cross, Jesus bore every sin of every person who has ever lived or would ever live. You go on back to the beginning of time, he bore every sin. Preacher, did he bear the sin of Hitler? Yes, he did. 
Did he bear the sin of the murderers that, that killed the, the babies and, and killed the, 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 the women and the children and, and those in these, in these villages just recently over in these other countries? Yes, he did. Preacher, did he bear my sin when I told a lie? Yes, he did. You see, it's not how big it is. It's the fact that it's sin. We put, a, we put a size on sin, and God just calls it sin. The person that lies will die and go to hell just as easy as a person who murders somebody. But he died for you and me. He took every sin upon him as that perfect sacrifice. It's because Jesus paid the sacrifice for all sins. His last words on the cross were this. In John chapter 19, verse 30 says, And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, after he said, I thirst, they gave him vinegar. He said, It is finished. Preacher, what was he talking about? Was he talking about his life? No. He was talking about his substitutionary death as the Lamb of God. He's talking about redeeming all mankind. He's talking about paying the debt for all sin that ever was committed and that ever will be committed. He has already paid for every sin. Here's something. I'm going to share something with you. A lot of times we don't stop and realize in a minute. That means that the penalty for sin was paid in full. You see, I don't think people understand this. You, you don't go to hell because your sins weren't paid for. Oh, well, well, preacher, when you get saved, your sins are paid for. No, 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 no. You don't understand. They were paid for at the cross. You go to hell because you reject eternal life and Jesus Christ as your Savior, as the Lamb of God. That's why you go to hell. Not because your sins were not paid for. They were paid for. My sins were paid for over 2,000 years ago on Calvary. The sins that I committed before I got saved and since I've been saved and until I die. Every single sin. Because God knows what they are. You see, eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ is what many people reject. They don't want to accept Him as Savior. They don't want to accept Him as God. In John 3, 16, we are so familiar. Notice what that says. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have his sins forgiven. It doesn't say that. It said, should not perish, but have everlasting what? life but we have to believe in him not to have our sins paid for but to have eternal life Romans 6 23 says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Didn't say the gift was our sins being paid for. Says the gift is eternal life. Why, preacher? Because our sins were paid for. Every sin, whether you're going to heaven or hell, those sins were paid for. Well, preacher, I don't understand that. Okay, let me explain it this way. At, uh, I don't know if I got one or not. I might have. Nope. I had, yeah, there we go. That's a gift card. It's a Christmas gift card. There's a certain amount of money put on a gift card, is or not, when you get a gift card. <laughs> Otherwise, somebody just goes and gets it, don't put no money on it, says, <laughs> Merry Christmas. And <clears throat> that's what that's the type I give, amen. <laughs> Great gifts. People love them until they go try to use them. But anyway, uh, you get a gift card. And let's say that this gift card, let's say, has $100 on it. And I give it to you. Merry Christmas. Okay? It don't have $100 on it, by the way. But let's say that it did. If he never takes that gift card and uses it, is it of any benefit to him? Anything that is under $100 is paid for if he'll just present the card. But if he never uses it, it's really never claimed, is it? There's, I forget how many billions of dollars that are never claimed off of gift cards every year. People put them back, they forget about them, they don't like where they go to, or whatever. One of the biggest ones that they said is uh, Starbucks. They make millions of dollars by people not using those cards. Fine with me, except I wish they wouldn't make a million dollars. Let me make it a little simpler. I go down here to this Chevrolet dealership. I walk in. I say, how many trucks you got out there? They said, yeah. we got 10 four-wheel drive Silverados loaded. I said, I'll take all 10. I shell out the cash, buy every single one of them. I go through, and let's see, I say, I say put, on, the, on the title, put Matt, put Hunter, Put Elaine, she wants a new pickup. Put, put Carl, put Ron, let's say that's one, two, three, four, five. And, and Dustin, he needs a new pickup. And uh, we're just giving pickups out, you know. I get 10 people, I put their names on the titles, I go down, I pay the sales tax on them, put the license on them for you. I come to every one of you and I say, Go down to the Chevrolet dealership. They have a Silverado for you. It's paid for. The taxes are paid on it. The license are paid on it. It's yours. Go get it. His name has already been put on the title. But if he never goes get and gets the pickup, 
He has no benefit for the picking. It's his. His name's on the title. It's paid for in full. It's licensed. It's his for the taking if he accepts it. He might walk down to the dealership. He's having to walk because he don't have a truck. <laughs> he walks in and he says, I want to I buy that truck over there. And they say, hey, you've got a brand new one over here. It's got your name on it. It's already been paid for. Now, I want to buy that one. And he buys a pickup. And he pays for it. Could I bring it down to where we're at? Jesus Christ on Calvary. He paid your sin debt. But if you never accept the gift of God, if you never accept what He's done for you and make Him your Lord and Savior, it's of no benefit to you. You can go to church. You can try to buy your way. You can pay all you want to out of your own pocket and try to do it all your own. My friend, you'll die and go to the devil's hell because the Lamb of God has already paid it all. Do you understand what I'm saying now that sin's been paid for by the Lamb of God? It's already paid for. But you must accept the Lamb of God for eternal life. Forgiveness of sin has already been offered. It's already paid for. Reconciliation. The Bible says that He reconciled the world unto the Heavenly Father. He made a way for us to come back in salvation. But if we fail to receive the Lamb of God as our Savior, it's of no benefit to us. You see, your sins don't get paid when you get saved. They're paid on the cross at Calvary. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Believing in Jesus is more than just believing about Him. It's putting your trust in Him. To have a total confidence in Him. To rest your case on Him. When I come up here, you, I guarantee you, you've probably never seen me come up and sit on this platform and go like this. You know why? When I walk up here on this platform, there's a, that chair's there. I don't check to see if it's going to hold me up. I just plop down in it. You know why? Because I'm trusting it. It don't even take a thought. I trust it. My confidence is in that it's going to hold me up. I'm going to tell you something here tonight. As as a person who believes that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God and He died on the cross, that is how you're supposed to believe. You're not supposed to be worried that it's going to collapse with you, that you're going to lose it. 
The sins have been paid 2,000 years ago. You're still going to sin, but it's been paid for. That's Satan trying to get you to doubt your salvation. He's wanting you to, the Lord's wanting you to trust him with all confidence. When you don't, you're playing into the hands of the devil as he's trying to defeat you. He's the Lamb of God. All God and all man, all sacrifice for you and I of every sin, past, present, and future. You see, your going to heaven is not dependent upon whether you don't sin or not. It was paid for. That's how great the Lamb of God is. Now, if it's some of these fold-out lawn chairs, yeah, I'm going to check it. But you don't have to do that with God. This is no ordinary lamb. What Jesus accomplishes as a lamb should affect how we live. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, 11 says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren, talking about Satan, the, for the accuser of the, our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him. Now listen to this. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. On the cross, Jesus not only paid for your sins, but he also broke the authority, broke the back of authority on Satan. He doesn't have the authority over you no more. Uh, many times we don't stop and consider and think about what Jesus did after being laid in the tomb before the resurrection. You know what he did? He went to hell and he declared victory over that demonic realm. In 1 Peter 3, verse 18, 19, it speaks of this. It says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, but by which he also went and preached unto the spirits in prison. He's not talking about the jailhouse. He's talking about the burning house, the prison where the lost are. Ephesians 4, 9 says, Now, that he ascended, what is it that that he also what what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Between his death and resurrection, the Lamb of God preached a victory sermon. He told the devil, I win, you lose, I'm in charge. And my friend, that's the way it's always going to be. So the only way the devil can control you is to trick you into not realizing that you have enough power. And the main way uh, he does that is to try to get you to forget about the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb is powerful. The blood of the Lamb breaks the devil's back. It's the blood of the Lamb that gives you and me the power of righteousness. You see, this name of Jesus, the Lamb of God, ought to be on our daily thought process. It ought to be the name you go to first in, in your life when you have troubles. It ought, we ought to plead the blood of the Lamb on those issues in our lives. If you go, you'll find that more than 20 times in the book of Revelations alone, Jesus is called by this name, the Lamb of God. 
Time and time again, John references the Lamb as ruler, the one we worship, our warrior and our redeemer. And I'll not read all of them, but I do want to read in Revelation chapter 5 and excuse me, and begin verse 5. It says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. As it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the twenty-four and and twenty and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of the every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast of, and the elders and the number of them that was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I say... Uh, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. This is no ordinary lamb. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and is worthy of our worship and worthy of our praise and worthy of our our lives that we would live for Him. He has all power and He has all might. He is the mighty King. He is the Lamb of God. You see, when the devil begins to attack you, turn your thoughts to the Lamb, the Lamb of God. Worship Him. It's the blood of the Lamb that will bring victory in your life and my life. He wants us to realize what the Lamb has done for us and what He will do for us, that He's all power and all might. When you begin to realize who the Lamb is, the Lamb of God is a King of power and of might. And there is none like him. And he is worthy to be worshipped and to be praised and to be glorified. His name is Jesus. He is the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Let's pray. Tonight, maybe before we pray, could I address this? Maybe you've never come to a place in your life where you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Oh, my friend, he's already paid those sins. But you must receive him. Your good works and your abilities and joining churches and putting money in an offering plate will not get you to heaven. You must come face to face with the fact that you need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. He is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Come tonight and let us take a Bible and show you how you can receive the Lamb of God and have eternal life that will never fade, 
that will never go away. And you can have the presence of the Lamb of God in your life and His power in your life to live for Him. Father, we thank You for loving us. Be with us now. Help us to understand Scripture. Help us to understand this name, the Lamb of God, and the power of it because of the blood of the Lamb. Lord, I pray that you'd help us now, strengthen us, and guide us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me?